Golden State Warriors basketball. Shoots over Danny Green. Rainbow! Nothing but net! How did he do it? The fifth three-point shot of the night for Steph Curry. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Left-hand dribble comes Bill Stripped by Draymond Green. Here comes Curry. Curry waiting. Dribbling left side, takes it middle. The trailer's Thompson. He's open. He'll fire. Three ball. Clay Thompson. The Splash Brothers have awakened here in Salt Lake City. And Golden State has an eight-point lead. Toss to favors in traffic. Blocked by Bogut. Tipped out by Bogut to Thompson. Andrew Bogut is just protecting the rim. Keeping the Jazz at bay. Barnes fires and hits a three in front of the Utah bench. The lead pushed back up to 25. It's 96-71. And many have grabbed their coats and start to head for the exits here. Those are just some of the highlights from last night's 98-87 road win in Salt Lake City. Golden State sweeping the home-and-home against the Utah Jazz. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, and welcome to this week's edition of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. The Warriors last night getting 22 points from Steph Curry as they controlled the game throughout. At one point, they had a 28-point lead. Their record is now 8-3. and three. It's the first time the Warriors have been 8-3 and three since 1991-1992. Golden State also picked up 17 points from Steph's fellow splash brother, Clay Thompson, and also 17 from Harrison Barnes. And Barnes sat down late last week with Warriors television announcer Bob Fitzgerald, and he told us about his offseason and working with his new teammates. I sat down last night pregame in Salt Lake City to catch up with Dwayne Debbin, the seven-foot rookie who signed with Golden State yesterday. Debbin, as you remember, was in training camp with the Warriors and had just returned from Santa Cruz, where he played the first of two preseason games with the D-League team. The injury to Jermaine O'Neal opened the need for a backup big, and Debbin was available. And earlier today, word coming out the Warriors guard Steph Curry has been diagnosed with a mild concussion. He went down to the floor in a scramble last night. Curry fakes, puts it on the floor, traps, ball knocked down. Curry goes down, backdoor. Clay Thompson goes up and got fouled. Curry may be hurt because Marvin Williams fell on top of him. He's lying face down on the floor. Marvin Williams looking at him. The Warriors come over. Marvin Williams fell on top of Steph Curry. And apparently hit his head. Johan Wang comes out, the Warriors athletic trainer, and Curry is down. Part of the win at Utah. The only symptom at this time is a headache, which has dissipated since last night. But he'll be held out in the game uh, tomorrow against the Memphis Grizzlies. His status is day-to-day, currently averaging just shy of 20 points tonight, 19.9, with 8.7 assists and 3.7 rebounds. 1.7 steals. Again, Steph Curry will not play tomorrow night against the Memphis Grizzlies. He is sidelined with a mild concussion. So, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Later on the show, I'll answer your questions on Twitter, at WarriorsVox. It's WarriorsVox. And also email TimRoy at Warriors.com. We'll also give you another example of how the Golden State Warriors off the floor continue to make the Bay Area an even better place to live. And then in the second half hour, Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com will tell us why the shirt sleeves are here to stay in the NBA and answer the question, are the Portland Trailblazers for real? We have a lot to do this hour, so let's get right at it. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues with conversations with Harrison Barnes and Dwayne Debbin, and that is next on KBR 680, the sports leader. 
Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee wrestles away the rebound, leads the three on two, finds Bogut running the floor, and he throws it down with two hands. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The 2014 NBA All-Star Game is in New Orleans this year, and if you want to vote for your favorite Warrior, go to warriors.com slash dub the vote to find out how to vote every day in every way for each of the six Warriors on the ballot. Vote tonight at warriors.com slash dub the vote. Well, year number two in his NBA career did not get off to a great start for Harrison Barnes. He injured his left big toe in training camp on October the 7th and missed a month of court time, including the first four games. But he's played the last seven. And off the bench for head coach Mark Jackson, he's averaging 10.7 points a contest and almost three rebounds a game. Recently, he sat down with Warriors television announcer Bob Fitzgerald and here is their conversation. Barnes off the dribble to the rim, goes up and jams it down! Harrison Barnes with a two-hand slam! Aaron Baines, welcome to YouTube! Well, it's awfully good to see you play basketball. I know probably for your frame of mind, it was good to get back out on the court. When you look at year two, I look at the stepladder of, you know, Steph's been in the league a couple years, Clay now's year three, you're kind of following that same chain. What's different year two than rookie year? Is it everything coming out your rookie year, 100 miles an hour, and year two is more like, yeah, I've been through a training camp, I've, I've been on the road. I've, I mean, what, what's different year one to year two, even if you were given another rookie some advice? Well, going from a deer in the headlights to finally you know, being comfortable out there and being able to relax is uh, one of the biggest differences I noticed. But another one is the expectations. Last year, I remember at media day, I told some reporters we were going to go to the playoffs, and they laughed me out of the, out of the interview. And then this year, you know, people are asking, are we going to win a championship or going to the finals? You know, what's the ceiling for this team? So the biggest thing that you know, I've learned in this league is just take everything day by day because at the beginning of last season, no one thought we were going to make the playoffs. And you know, we're a couple shots away from going to the Western Conference Finals at the end of the year. Now, on offseason, it was your first kind of offseason as a pro, and you work pretty relentlessly, not only on your game, lifting, change your body a little bit, went to the, the Olympic training team. I saw you in Vegas. If you look at that offseason, was there something specifically within your game that you said, hey, I want to get better at this or this, or was it just a matter of, I need to get better at everything, and I'm just going to keep working at it? Honestly, at the end of last season, I looked at my shot chart. It was pretty horrendous. So I definitely had to go back and work on everything. But with the coaches that I worked with in Oakland all summer, a lot of post-ups and a lot of pick and roll. I know that on this team, you know, we obviously have plenty of shooters. No reason to work on my spot-up jump shots. Steph and Clay do plenty of that. So, you know, I know I can help this team by, you know, being in the post and coming out pick and roll. Now, I got to see a little bit already, and I can't wait for the rest of the year to see you and Andre Iguodala together. Because when I think of open floor players who are creative, athletic, a lot of different finishes, Andre's always been one of the best. And I, I, you're one of the more electric open floor players in the league, let alone on the Warriors. How much fun is that? You know, Steph may find you, Iguodala may find you. We're talking lobs, runouts, and things. That, that's a whole different – you can't teach that. Guys can either do it or they can, and you can. You and Andre together as a pair, I mean, in the open floor, it's got to be something to look forward to. Well, I mean, not only is he one of the best, you know, transition players in the game on the break, but 
He's one of the most underrated passers, I think, in the entire NBA. I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, not only can he, you know, score when he wants to, but, you know, he's willing to get guys involved. He's willing to, you know, throw the lob on the fast break. He's willing to find open shooters. So when you're playing with a guy like that, I mean, how can you not be excited, you know, running on a fast break, going up and getting a lob? Maybe, hey, you know, maybe I'll try to throw a bad pass. if he can go catch it. You know, just have a little fun out there. All right, we're talking to Harrison Barnes, Bob Fitzgerald with you. And when you look at watching games, okay, Put your little scouting report hat on here. The Warriors are holding all these teams to under 40% shooting. Just as a student of basketball, when you see Andrew Bogut defensively and then Iguodala defensively, Clay's improvement defensively, can you just sit and say, man, it'd be tough to get inside or score on our team that you can see why legit good NBA teams are having problems putting the ball in the bucket against the Warriors? (laughs) Defensively, we've made huge strides. I know when I very first got drafted, we weren't known to be a great defensive team. And, you know, a lot of that honestly goes to Coach Jackson, you know, crediting him. I mean, drilling defense every single day to the point where you're just like, you know, I don't even want to get in a defensive stance anymore. That's how long we've been playing defense. And, uh, you know, it's it, we've seen the result of that on the court. When you look at other sports, football fan, baseball fan, or has it always been hoops for you? I mean, I know Ames, Iowa isn't known as a hotbed for other pro sports, but what, what does Harrison Barnes either do for fun or diversion? Are there other teams that you're following in different sports? What's going on with that? Yeah, I always try to keep up with different sports. I mean, being not only in the Bay Area, but, I mean, just being at the professional stage, you kind of, you know, talk to players from different sports. You know, you kind of relate about different things. Obviously, you know, I watch the 49ers. I watch the Raiders. You know, I watch, you know, the A's, who I cheer for over the Giants. <laughs> Um, so, you know, and obviously San Jose Sharks, which I got a chance to go to my very first hockey game. Not sure if you've ever been. Great experience. Um, so I've got a chance to just, you know, follow a whole bunch of different sports. You know, one of the things that gets talked about uh, on our show a lot is collegiate athletes, the state of college football, college basketball. You'd be a good guy to ask this. The, the age limit or the one-and-done type of thing. I'm a proponent of at least two years and maybe even raising salaries in the D-League if a guy wasn't up for college, that he could almost study basketball professionally, play in the D-League a couple years, and then get drafted by the NBA. What did you, from freshman to sophomore year, what do you think as a kid one and done versus what another year would mean? Do you grow as a person, or does your game grow? or you know, You've been through it. What's your kind of reaction to that? It's funny, we're actually having a discussion about that today. A debate the team was with Jermaine O'Neal because that was the very first time I've ever played with somebody who didn't go to college and they went straight from high school to the NBA. And my personal opinion is it should be a choice whether you want to go out of high school or go to college. Me personally, I felt that college was the best experience of my life. And, you know, if I could, if you could do it in a perfect world, I would have stayed there four years because I felt like I matured, you know, so much just in terms of being on your own, going through the whole schooling process, just learning a lot about yourself and being kind of out of the house for the very first time. So, you know, I, I, I loved college, and I think everyone on that bus could agree that it was the best experience of our lives, and, you know, you, wanna, you wanted to be there as long as you could. Obviously, in today's day and age, getting to the NBA, you know, that's it's very, you know, a luxurious look, and it's things that people want to do, but you can't overlook college, and I learned so much from that. Yeah, I tell you what, you're getting that debate again. Baseball does it best. If you're really good as a high schooler, you can go pro. If not, junior year. They only get you one way or the other, but it's up. you do have a choice. And it's one of those where if you're, you know, Kevin Garnett or you're Kobe or Jermaine O'Neal in high school, you're able to do it physically, come into the NBA, 
Otherwise, they got to wait to your junior year of college, and it's worked out well for baseball. Maybe basketball down the road takes a look at that. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely you know should be the debate. I mean, college you can't ex, you can't experience all things you can in college. I mean, there's just there's just no type of substitute for that. I mean, you know, the NBA life is great, but it's it's not that that experience of just you know going to class, playing basketball. That's it. And you're really, you're a kid, but you have a chance to, you know, grow and mature and you learn a lot about yourself. Harrison, good stuff, man. I mean, it's always fun talking to you. Great to see you play again. And year one to year two, I already see the growth of you as a person and the game. It's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, we appreciate the time as always. I appreciate you having me on. My thanks to Bob Fitzgerald and to Harrison Barnes for their conversation. We're going to switch the mic now. I had a chance to sit down with Dwayne Dedman before last night's game in Salt Lake City. He has signed a contract with the Golden State Warriors. That was following the injury to Jermaine O'Neal on Saturday night. Jermaine suffered a bruised right knee and a slightly strained right groin. Now today... Devin, Onion Kuzmich, and Nemanja Nedovich were assigned to the Santa Cruz Warriors. That was because the Santa Cruz Warriors were in Oakland, and all three young players got some very good practice time with the Santa Cruz squad while the Warriors were kind of resting up for tomorrow night's game with the Memphis Grizzlies. As you heard earlier in the show, Steph Curry will not play tomorrow night because he has a mild concussion. The headache has subsided. But for Debman, he's now signed with the Golden State Warriors and working hard to make sure he stays in the NBA. Lost it for Debman and one! Oh my! Dwayne Dedman! Back up from Santa Cruz, being signed uh, by the club today. And, and uh, first of all, welcome back. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's good to be back. You know, the last time we talked was actually right here in the, in, in preseason before the, the game with, with the Jazz. So tell me, since the time you left Golden State, what has your Santa Cruz experience been like? Uh, I mean, it's, it's been pretty good. It's been you know full of hard work and just, you know, trying to get back here. I'm just, uh, you know, I mean, we had two preseason games. We won both of them, so it was, it was good to get out there and, you know, play. What did you learn in, in training camp with the Warriors that has helped you? I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, just going up, just first off, just going up against, you know, big-time competition every day it helps my help my defense out a lot and uh, my confidence offensively. What adjustments do you think you're going to have to make to, to succeed and stick at this level? Uh, I mean, just, you know, being more aggressive, you know, on, on and off the ball, on defense and offensive side of things. A lot of players, when they first come to the NBA, they, they talk about the speed, the pace of, of play. Has that been an issue for you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely a lot faster, a, a quicker pace in the NBA. So, I mean, it's definitely a, an adjustment I've, I've had to make. How much easier do you think it will be for you to get back and, and help this team now, having gone through camp? I mean, I feel like it, uh, it'll be a lot a lot more easier to get back in the flow of things now that, you know, camp's over and uh, also have some experience uh, down in the D-League with the Santa Cruz Warriors. Let me ask you about the Santa Cruz Warriors and, and what did you think of the Kaiser Permanente Arena? Uh, I mean, it's for, for a D-League arena, they say it's, you know, the nicest, and it, it definitely was. We had a training room that was, you know, it was, it was good to get in there and get some ice and some treatment when, when you needed it. And, you know, the fans out there in Santa Cruz, is, they, they, they really come and support the team. Did you uh, hit the boardwalk? Uh, yeah, I actually went down to the boardwalk. We went, uh, I went bowling at the boardwalk, too, so yeah, it was good. It was fun. No roller coaster? Oh, no, 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 not for me, not for me. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm too, a little too big for that. Yeah. Well, I also tell people that I fly on planes all the time. That's my roller coaster, so yeah. that's enough for me. Uh, let's talk about, about your basketball. What would you like to get better at in, in your first year as a pro? Uh, I mean, 
just I just want to be more effective on the rebounding end of things. You know, I just want to. I, first of all, I just want to be you know a great rebounder. That's first. You know, and if I could do that, I feel like you know points points follow that. So if you just attack the uh, glass aggressively, you know that everything else will come along. And certainly on, on this team, there's enough guys who can score the ball. Oh yeah, it's, it's a lot of guys that can score the ball. So I mean, you know, all they need is somebody to come in and get those rebounds for when they do miss. When guys get called up, I always try to ask them the same question. How did you get the call? Where were you? What was your reaction? Uh, actually, I just got done with the shoot-around, and I received a text from my agent. I just said, call me. So I gave him a call. He, uh, him, and, him and my manager were three-way, and we talked. he told me uh, the good news. It was, it was just really exciting. I just want to say thank you to you know, Coach Jackson for you know, giving me another opportunity to come out here and showcase my talent. Well, I know the Warriors are excited to have you back, and I wish you best of luck in your return to Golden State. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Dwayne Debbins saw his first NBA action last night, and hopefully it's the first of a long and productive NBA career. There's no question, especially after last week's game with Oklahoma City, that Andre Iguodala is not only having a huge impact for the Warriors on the floor, he is now a Bay Area darling, and he is showing his appreciation for Warrior fans by giving away the final pair of Warriors 2013-2014 season tickets. Go to warriors.com slash final pair for contest rules and to be automatically entered for a chance to win season tickets courtesy of Andre Iguodala. There is no purchase necessary to enter or to win. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues and Warriors forward Harrison Barnes comes back as he and assistant coach Brian Scalabrini off the floor educating youngsters about the importance of a healthy and active lifestyle. That's next on KBR 680, the sports leader. Elevation sensation for Harrison Barnes. Golden State Warriors basketball. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. There's probably nothing more tempting to a kid than a snack that involves a cookie, a piece of cake, a Pop-Tart, whatever it might be. Warriors forward Harrison Barnes and assistant coach Brian Scalabrini, in concert with Kaiser Permanente health educator Beatrice Campos, went to Greenleaf Elementary School in Oakland recently to talk to the kids that even though that cookie looks very tempting, it may not be the way to go if you want a healthy and active lifestyle. It's all part of the Back to the School in the Bay campaign, where the Warriors went to five Bay Area schools in five days to tip off the new school year. Another effort as the Warriors continue to try to make the Bay Area an even better place to live. It's hard, and I'm obviously not saying you guys have to be perfect. I obviously wasn't perfect when I was your guys' age, but it's something that if you you know start doing little by little each and every day, start thinking about you know, trying to incorporate vegetables, fruit into your everyday life, I think it'll be great. With a young group of kids, it's really important to show how important it is to stay active. And uh, actually, it's a great gift by Kaiser Permanente, the pedometer, so they can kind of see and play with each other how many steps they take in a day. So it's a great opportunity to reach out to them. I mean, Kaiser Permanente has put on a great event here. Definitely trying to teach kids to stay active, eat healthy, get them away from the Oreos and uh, from the cookies and get them more towards you know, fruits and vegetables. Teaching kids at an early age on how to eat healthy and how to exercise to stay healthy for the rest of their lives is really important. We especially 
think that the Get Fit Timeout program is something that's really important. And that's something that, um, that, that we value about this partnership with the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors basketball. Play Thompson launches again and buries a three from right in front of the Clippers bench. Uh oh, got a shootout. Okay, Corral, here we go. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues coming up later in the hour. Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com, and I'll ask him about the transition of power between David Stern and Adam Silver and what ramifications that will have on the NBA. We start answering your questions, and Bob Dubs fan wants to know, uh, what's the status with Steph Curry? I know he's not going to play tomorrow night. Well, Bob, uh, he's been diagnosed with a mild concussion. The only symptom that he showed was the headache that he had uh, last night in Salt Lake City. That has dissipated. His status is day-to-day. And so as soon as we know, you will know. But we do know they're going to hold him out tomorrow night when the Warriors take on the Grizzlies. Quee Tennis wants to know, when will uh, Fezzi Fell come back? And, of course, that means Festus Azili. That's his handle on uh, Twitter. When will Festus come back, and what impact will he have upon his return? The prevailing feeling is that Festus will be back sometime after the new year. And when he comes back, I think he'll have a tremendous impact. He'll give Mark Jackson another big man that he can go on the floor with. He can go out there and play against pick and rolls. He's a very good defender against pick and rolls. And also think about this. If Jermaine O'Neal is healthy, you can play Festus Azili alongside O'Neal. And now Jermaine on those post-ups is now going up against a four instead of a five. And I think that's where Jermaine's going to be a lot more effective if they're trying to guard him with a power forward as opposed to guarding him right now with the center. And I think the Warriors might be able to go with a big lineup with Azili and O'Neal and use O'Neal's scoring ability to its greatest effectiveness. Wild Goose 2K11 wants to know, looking at the stats, fouls seem to be a problem for the Warriors. Is this just due to the emphasis on aggressive defense, or do you think it will be a big problem going forward? It could be a big problem, but I think the Warriors, in part because of the style of play they have and the pace they play, they're going to commit some fouls. I think where they would like to cut back on those would be the reach-in fouls, the fouls where it's late in the shot clock and they go for a steal where they really don't have to. Uh, They're going to get a stop anyway, and they reach in to try to get a steal and and come across a guy's arm and commit a foul. I think if they cut those back down a little bit, then the free-throw ratio uh, won't be as bad as it has been in some games. But let's face it, uh, they're an aggressive team. They are going to commit some fouls. They play at a very fast pace, and so they get themselves in situations where they're scrambling a little bit on defense. But the defense has been very good so far. The Warriors are the only team in the NBA in the top five in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, and that is the hallmark of a very, very good team. Adam Johnson has a statement. He says Dwayne Debbin is a raw talent with tremendous upside. He has the ability to contribute with his athleticism. You know, Adam, I agree. I think uh, Debman's got a, a great future in this league because of the fact that he hasn't played all that much basketball. He's still learning how to play. He's a seven-footer with wingspan. He's got some hops. He has a certain amount of offensive talent. And to be quite honest with you, I think the Warriors are fortunate 
he's still out there, that they can sign him with the injury to Jermaine O'Neal. I thought when he went to Santa Cruz, I thought another team was going to take a flyer on him and and, uh, sign him to a contract. I really was that impressed with him in training camp. So I think it's it's fortunate he's around. I think the Warriors are glad that he's around, and hopefully he is around to stay. Again, you can always send me a question on Twitter, at WarriorsVox, it's WarriorsVox, or do it old school email, uh, Timroy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. We encourage your participation, and tomorrow night on the postgame show when the Warriors take on the Memphis Grizzlies. We ask you to chime on in on your thoughts on the game and the Golden State Warriors. And of course, the season ticket priority wait list has been created to provide fans with the first chance for season tickets when they become available. Join tonight and receive exclusive pre-sale chances for individual tickets and mini plans. Go to warriors.com slash priority or call one gsw hoop and press option number one. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. You don't want to miss Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com. Some thoughtful commentary on the NBA. We talk about some of the surprise teams in the Western Conference as we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Left side, Bogut, touch pass to David Lee. Two-hand, rim-racker for Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Warriors and Grizzlies tomorrow night. I'll go on the air at 7 o'clock with the pregame show. Tom Tolbert will be alongside as well as Golden State looks to go 9-3, and three, and it's a rematch with the Grizzlies. Joining us now to talk about the NBA from ESPN.com is Brian Windhorst, who uh, splits his time from New York and Florida, which is uh, that's a pretty good gig, by the way, splitting time between New York and Florida. That's not bad. Yeah, it depends on which time you're in each city, but um, it's not bad at all. I'm not complaining at all. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think you need the Florida c- to cover Florida extensively in the NBA from like about uh, uh, January one through about uh, February uh, twenty nine, and after that, I think you can go back to New York. So, what ends up happening good. is I end up spending all the time in uh, in Miami during the playoffs the last few years. So, not totally ideal when the springtime is so nice in the north. But I'm not, again, I'm not complaining. Yeah, can't complain about that. We can't complain about covering the NBA. And you were writing about the Portland Trailblazers uh, this morning. And I, I guess, are they for real? I looked at the schedule, and it, it's not the toughest schedule you've ever seen uh, at the stage of the NBA season. But, you know, part of the deal in this league, and the Warriors have been good at this last year and again this year, is be, beating the teams you're supposed to beat. And right now, Portland's doing that. Yeah, I'm not uh, blown away by them, especially because, um, you know, they're really shooting and making a lot of three-pointers, and that's not really their game. They're not a volume three-point shooting team, um, but they certainly um, have some guys who are really hot right now. So that's going to cool off. They also are number one in the league against the three, and I know that that's a um, a priority of their defense. They try to run teams off the three-point line, um, which is probably a good strategy in the Western Conference but um, I don't think that they're going to hold teams to 28% like they are right now. So I think those two will tighten up. But i got to give it to them. You know, they are 5-1 and one on the road, and I don't care who you're playing. If you're 5-1 and one on the road, you're playing well. That's, those are wins that you put in the bank. You know, they win in Brooklyn the other night. I know Brooklyn's struggling. But there's going to be a whole bunch of Western teams to come through Brooklyn this year and lose. And every time that happens, that win's going to get more valuable. And, I, I, you know, they really have a deeper team this year. Um, they, you know, they revamped their bench in the off season. 
you know, Mo Williams is not going to blow anybody away, but he's a really nice addition off the bench that they didn't have last year. So, you know, I think that right now they definitely are probably the most surprising team in the West. I know people are focusing on the Suns in that regard. Uh, we'll see if they can sustain it. I think the Blazers have more of a chance to sustain than the Suns do. Yeah, they seem to have a, a better roster, you know, one through nine than, than Phoenix would. But, again, I, I give Jeff Hornacek credit. That team's playing pretty hard. Yeah, you know, uh, what I think is surprising is that um, even the people in Phoenix are surprised uh, how well they're doing. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that they were not trying to be successful this year, and uh, the Martian-Gortat trade only verified that. Um, and so they are not making moves to, to get better, and I think ultimately – their lack of depth, and, uh, you know, I don't see them improving as the season goes along with their roster. If anything, they may peel a piece off or two. Uh, but uh, you certainly have to give them credit. You have a rookie head coach and some guys playing in roles that they're not used to or they're doing for the first time, and they're selling. And they're not sneaking up, sneaking up on anybody anymore. Now when Phoenix is on your schedule, you're preparing for them more, and we'll see how they handle that. Brian, I guess as, as it's early in the season, at what point do you start really taking a hard look and saying, okay, this team's pretty good, this team's not so good? Is it the quarter pole? Is it you know 30 games in? And At what point do you start really making a, a good judgment on how good a team is? Well, the 20-game mark usually comes right around the time of the magic December 15th date when basically is the start of trading season. And that's where you often see coaches and general managers start making decisions about their teams. So I think that's uh, a natural a point. Um, that's when uh, all the free agents and the, and the rookies who were drafted are allowed to be traded. And so it opens up so many more people in the market. And that's generally what I do. But i got to tell you, you look in the East this year, and it's like a disaster area. Um, there's so many teams that are like 3-7 and seven or 4-7, and seven, it's hard to figure out the differences. Like um, right now, the Sixers have a better record than the Nets, but you wouldn't figure that to be to be sustainable. Um, the team like the, the the Pistons, who invested a lot of money, and the Wizards, who invested a lot of money in the offseason, are do- are dogs right now, and you don't think that's going to going to keep going. And so, right now, you're, there's like a battle back and forth of what you see on the court, especially in the East, and what you think will happen based on past uh, past experience. So. If anything, this year we may be in for a little bit of a longer evaluation period in the East as some of these teams that are really underachieving early on figure it out or not. Yeah, because I think also, too, the, the, the cold hard fact remains. If, if you're Sacramento and you're in the West and you're 2-7, and seven, you're behind the eight ball right now because there are so many good teams in the Western Conference. Dallas is in the eighth spot at 7-4, and four, uh, where I think where Toronto – is exactly flipped in the eighth spot of the East at four and seven. So for Washington and Detroit, their starts aren't the end of the world. But if you're in the West and you're starting two and seven, you're in deep trouble. Exactly right. It's really um, sort of an unfair thing that we thought was going to get fixed this year a little bit. I I I didn't like the parity in the East after five. I thought teams six, seven, and eight would would you know not be as impressive. But right now we're only really seeing two teams in the East that are that are showing what they can do, uh, and that's Miami and, and uh, Indiana. After that, the, you know, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Nets, you know, maybe the, the Hawks are actually one team that's actually playing to its potential. And you look out West, and, you know, you look at a team like the, the Blazers, they're feeling great about themselves. 
because they're nine and two and they've got the second best record in the West. They have a bad week. They'll be, it'll be in ninth place. You know, you lose three games in a row and you slide way back. So it's, um, it's a different scenario. Some would say that goes the opposite way. When you a team like the Wizards or a team like the, 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 the Raptors, if you are below 500, maybe you think maybe we should make a change. Maybe we should make another trade. Perhaps we should change the head coach because even though we're under 500, if we make a change, we still have the ability to make a big leap. So I think sometimes it can put different pressure. Whereas, you think, like, like you mentioned, the Kings, the Kings aren't making the playoffs this year. Uh, I don't think it's, it's going to happen at all, and they know that already. And so that changes the way you evaluate things and maybe in certain circumstances takes the pressure off a little bit. Brian Windhorst, my guest here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable from ESPN.com. Let me put out uh, a little bit of a theory here, and again, uh, with the caveat that it is 10, 11 games in, and we're 1-8 through the season. But there's something to be said about playing fast. Uh, look at the top nine teams that, in, in terms of pace, I'm looking right at the Hollinger team stats on ESPN.com, and... Eight of the nine are in the Western Conference, and the only team in the West that's below 500 playing at that pace is Denver, and you would expect them to be at least 500 somewhere down the way. The only team in the East that's playing in the top you know, nine in terms of pace of play is Philadelphia. I mean, there's something, there has to be something in there that, that you know, playing fast is a way to go. And in, in one sense, I like it in the sense where you don't allow the other team to, to get their defense structured and set, and you get easier looks at the basket yeah i think there's um, there's a couple different theories here you talk to the to the defensive base coaches and, and they'll say playing fast is terrific in the regular season it's great for your fans but when you play for the postseason the game slows down and so you can play fast as long as you want and but it's not going to matter in the end and some people say we want to prepare our team for the playoffs the other way is to say if you um really want to um, level the playing field to a certain extent, uh, and you get more possessions in a game, um, sometimes it can, can change your whole outlook. I think that's what's really going on with the 76ers right now. They're a team that is, that is outmanned a little bit just about every night. Uh, I think Brett Brown, their head coach, made the statement before the season, we've only got six NBA players. I don't think that's 100% accurate. But by increasing the amount of possessions, uh, you start to give your players confidence, uh, you look at guys like Spencer Hawes and Evan Turner, Thaddeus Young, guys who weren't, um, you know, thought very highly of the start of the season. They're putting up numbers now, and all of a sudden you've developed some assets because you play fast and, and you get those numbers up. And I think the key is can you balance playing fast with playing defense? And that's one of the impressive things that the Warriors have done early in the season. Uh, they're playing up-tempo. They're getting a lot of possessions, but they're also getting stopped in the defensive end. And if you can – Set that as your as your baseline and as your habit. You can do that. Then I think it's more sustainable. Um, but I'm, I can I can guarantee you that that these ten teams that are playing fast at this pace right now won't be playing with this many possessions in the postseason. And that is, I think, a, a major way coaches look at it. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right. There there is something to that. But I I, I still believe that you know for a lot of teams. Uh, getting to the playoffs is a way to get to a chance to play for a championship. And, and you know, if you're Miami, you can play whatever pace you want. And, and, and to, to a certain extent, San Antonio, I think for the rest of the teams, you know, they, they have to kind of address certain deficiencies. But, but you brought the Warriors. What, what do you think of the Warriors and, 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 uh, and what do you think of their long-term projections? 
Well, I got to tell you, I couldn't be more impressed with the way Andre Iguodala's playing. I mean, he's shooting over 60% from the field. I mean, just tremendous stuff. Uh, you can see how he's thriving. I think a lot of people, when they saw that signing, said, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Iguodala's not a great long-range shooter. He doesn't fit in with that. But I think that's exactly the opposite, which is showing, which is that you can't game plan for a guy like Andre Iguodala when, he's, when you're playing the Warriors because you have to cover their shooters. And he's benefiting from that. He's setting a, a tone defensively. He takes so much pressure off. When you have a guy like that, you can say, okay, we are putting this guy in the other team's top opposing, either top scoring wing player. It changes the, the, the dynamic for everything. And that was a missing piece uh, that the Warriors didn't have last year. And, um, you know, I'm not as convinced. Of, I, I like their bench last year better, better than I like it this year. Um, but, boy, is that, start, is that starting line and that front six really, really impressive. And there's also a stability here. I mean, these guys have played together. This core group has played together for a while. And you're starting to see the benefits of that. You know, it's hard to be a good defensive team. It's hard to improve defensively unless you have some cohesion. I think the Nets are showing that right now. They've got three or four really good defensive players in their team, but they're 25th in defense because they haven't learned really how to play with each other yet. Um, you stick together for three or four years as uh, you know, the core of this Warriors team is now getting on. And you bring in a guy who's a defensive-minded player like Andre Iguodala, and all of a sudden you really have something there. And um, you know, if you look at the teams that are great defensive teams in the league, they're also teams that have been very stable. You look at the Chicago Bulls, for example. Again, very stable lineup um, that that leads to that that uh, quality defense. And the, and the Warriors are getting that. And we already know that they're a dynamic offensive team. We know that by and large they're going to shoot the ball really well. If they can put down a tent pole and say we're going to be even above average defensively. Uh, I don't expect them to be a top five defensive team, but if, if they've got some guys out there who are just going to be hold the time. But if they can establish that consistency, um, they are going to be a very dangerous team, especially when you get late in the season. Yeah, no, no question. Right now they're still the only team in the top five in offensive and defensive efficiency. You know, the, thing, the addition of Iguodala, as well as Andrew Bogut being healthy, now you got a guy who's uh, you know top five perimeter defender and he gets out top. Now you got Bogut who's protecting the rim very well. It's just really made a huge huge difference on this team. And I think you're I think you're right. I think you know, the fact that that Lee Curry and Thompson now in their third year under Mark Jackson they bought into the defensive concept. And and if you break down say Curry and Lee they may not be the best defenders individually, but now they're in this system and and they understand their roles and and they can test shots and and it just makes a makes a huge difference. Let's let's move on to another topic, and, and, and that is, you know, the, David Stern's going to step down in February. Uh, do you, what do you expect from, from Adam Silver, and do you think we'll have a different tone with him as commissioner? Definitely. I think Adam Silver um, is less concerned with consolidation of power and more concerned with revenue generation. And so what I think you'll see is the... The wielding power of the, of the Stern years is going to take a step back, and you will see more owners in the forefront. Uh, Adam has already said he thinks owners should be out there a little bit more. Uh, that was never David Stern's thing. David Stern was, you stand behind me, and uh, I will be your voice. Uh, the switch to the 2-2-1-1-1 in the finals, which is whatever they want to say, is strictly a move to encourage seven-game NBA finals. Uh, was a complete, was the first stamp that Adam Silver put on the league. 
these sleeved jerseys are a complete Adam Silver move. And the reason that they're putting sleeved jerseys is where do you put, where do you want to put a sponsorship? It's hard to see a logo when it's on the chest. Uh, so, you know, where do golfers put their sponsorships? They put it on the sleeve. So while this may look stylish right now, what this is is a forefront to putting logos and, uh, you know, basically sponsorships on that sleeve. And David Stern has resisted that. Adam Silver will not. That will be something you will see coming to the NBA very soon is sponsorship on that new sleeve. That's why that sleeve is there. It is to, is to replace uh, skin with uh, sellable space. And these are the types of moves that you will see with Adam Silver. His, his big, big first thing is to negotiate a new television contract. And you're going to have a new bidder in Fox Sports. And I think you'll see a package with not just ESPN, ABC, and Turner, but also... Fox getting involved in there, and it will, it will make more national television games. So this is where Adam Silver is going to really put his mark on it. Um, and that, you know, so basically I don't think the fans will feel the commissioner's move as much as they do with David Stern, but certainly the, 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 the people in the league and uh, the owners hope in the bottom line they will. I think your colleague, I heard this in a post-game interview in a gaggle in the Warriors locker room the other day. I was listening to it on our plane ride to Utah. I think your colleague, Ethan Sherwood-Strauss, called them jerseys, uh, half, half shirts, half jerseys. Uh, but but the, the other part, uh, do you think we're going to see any expansion or any relocation soon? You know, when you've got a guy who's willing to pay six or $700 million like the uh, – you know, the, the, the group in Seattle is willing. Are they willing to pay a billion in two or three years? You know, they might be. And when this new uh, television deal gets negotiated, which um, I assume will be this upcoming summer, it'll, it, it's still two years left on the deal, but they're going to try to get it negotiated now. And, every, and this is all boring for people. I know that, you know, they, they sort of roll their eyes at this, but if you really want to know how it's going to come about, it's when, it's when, they, it's when each team can determine, okay, this is how much money we're going to get with TV if we stick with 30 teams. This is how much money we're going to get if we have 32. And will the billion-dollar fee, which I really think they could get from Seattle if they, if they pushed it, um, will, that, will that make financial sense? And is there, is there a pair, is there another city that you can bring in? I mean, right now, the NBA is using Seattle as a threat to get new arena deals. Um, we've seen a new arena deal in Sacramento. Uh, Two weeks ago, after a long, drawn-out process, the Minnesota Timberwolves got their renovation uh, redone, and Adam Silver was just in Milwaukee recently, uh, raising the axe and letting the people in Milwaukee know that they need to get their act together on a new building. And you know, once those things get settled out, and they, you know, everybody's sort of set on their new building front, then I think maybe it comes in. It's it just there's too much money being offered on the table up there in Seattle. For those guys to ignore and i thought it was very interesting after saying no 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 to expansion at the very end last year when they made their decision on sacramento they cracked the door just ever so slightly and um i think if seattle can uh continue to stay in the game i think they'll have a fair shot but it's not gonna it's not gonna be until after that tv contract is settled yeah, you know, and I think it's, it'd be great for the NBA to go back there because up until the last few years, that was a really good NBA market, and it's a, it's a great TV market, and uh, it's a good sports market. So I, I think the NBA does need to be back in Seattle at some point. 
Hey, Brian, we got to a lot of topics today. I really appreciate it, and look forward to bumping into you when the Warriors head back east. Sounds good. We'll see you down the road. Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com. Check out his work, and I'm sure you'll be informed, as we have been in this past interview here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy. Hey, if you want to vote for the Warriors to help send them to the All-Star Game in New Orleans this year, go to Warriors.com slash dub the vote to find out how to vote every day in every way for each of the six Warriors on the ballot. Vote tonight at Warriors.com slash dub the vote. We'll come back and look ahead to the games on the schedule. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Draymond goes to work with three, with two, runner, right hand flip on the rim and down! Draymond Green! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Let's look ahead, shall we? It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy. Time now for the upcoming broadcast. Brought to you by our friends at Cash Creek Casino Resort. And we've got some Western Conference opponents on the table. And it promises to be fun tomorrow night. The Warriors looking for some payback and trying to end that losing streak to Zach Randolph and the Memphis Grizzlies. Right wing, Mayo with it. Eight on the shot clock. It's right block, Randolph with Davinsky in front of him. Five on the shot clock. Randolph to the baseline. Little push up. Step back. 12-footer is good. Randolph with a strong move right there. Now in double figures with 11. And he seems to be heating up a little bit. Warriors and Grizzlies, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. It's Steph Curry bobblehead night. And as you know, earlier today, Steph Curry diagnosed with a mild concussion. He had symptoms of a headache. That has dissipated, but he will not play tomorrow night against the Grizzlies. His status is day-to-day, but the first 10,000 fans tomorrow get the Steph Curry three-point record bobblehead, courtesy of Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. And then the Warriors head down south. They'll take on the Los Angeles Lakers on the Friday night and the low-post elegance that is Pau Gasol. Slam dunk Gasol! The Lakers have the lead! 50 seconds to go. Gasol arguing that he got hit on the head and Bynum walking over to him and saying, don't talk to the ref. Warriors and Lakers game two of the season series. First one down in L.A., 7 o'clock with the airtime on KMBR, uh, 680 on Friday, then right back to Oracle on Saturday as the Warriors welcome the pride of Oakland, Damian Lillard, and those red-hot Portland Trailblazers. 6.35 in the clock, running fourth period. Lillard for court, now throws to Aldridge. Back to Damian, 21-footer right of the key. Perfect! Lillard with 21. It's his 23rd game this season of getting 20 points or more. Warriors and Blazers, 7 o'clock Saturday night. Both the Memphis game and the Portland game will be joined by Tom Tolbert. It's also a short sleeve Saturday when the Warriors take on the Blazers. Brought to you by Adidas. Limited tickets still available online at Warriors.com or by calling 1-888-GSW-HOOP. That's going to put a cap on our show. Let's run down all of our guests tonight. We want to thank Bob Fitzgerald, the Warriors television announcer, for chatting with Harrison Barnes. I want to thank Dwayne Debman and welcome him to the National Basketball Association, as well as Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com. I really enjoyed that conversation. Thanking the producer who never says goodbye, R.C. Davis. Dave Feldhouse at the controls for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I, Tim Roy, saying good night. Don't forget Warriors and Memphis tomorrow night, 7 o'clock with the airtime here on KMBR. 680 the sports leader don't touch that dial because coming up next 49ers insider with our friend ted robinson and i'm pretty sure that nfl officiating will be one of the topics on the table here on kbr 680 the sports leader 
Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Iguodala, right to Clay Thompson, back to Iguodala. One dribble goes to the wrist, and he scores with the right hand. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.